Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia. I am a digital content creator here based in Vancouver, Canada, and I was a former sugar baby. I'm also, I guess, an on-hold stripper, and <laughs> yeah, on-hold, like things are not open yet. I mean my guest who you will soon find out who it is um (laughs) it's also shut down where they are from as well so uh that's kind of me in a mini nutshell and i do this podcast because i want to share stories and experiences of, of sex workers in all types of capacities and different angles and perspectives and just give a holistic approach to what sex work is what it really is not what the media paints it out to be so That's a little introduction here, but most importantly, I would like to introduce this week's guest. They are a prominent sex worker based in Ontario, and I am so excited that we're finally able to connect because it has taken some time and some like effort and rescheduling and just back and forth. But I am so excited to bring Samantha Knox on to the show today. Hello. 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 Good morning. Good morning. It's so nice to finally be here with you. I know. I mean, like, there is just so much scheduling conflict and, like, things work for me. And then, like, you were going on tour. And then I'm like, we'll make it time. Like, it'll happen. <laughs> Life. The universe lines up eventually. Exactly. And now I think... Um, with the topic that we're going to be speaking about today, which is prominent, like primarily um, Bill 251, which is a huge, huge thing. It's basically, and we're going to get into all of this later, but it is basically the Combat Human Trafficking Act that is currently being proposed at the moment in terms of um, Canadian legislation here in Canada. And it's a really, really big topic. And we, we had some other, like, discussion and points that we wanted to bring up as well before when we wanted to record another episode but that's all going to tie into everything we're going to be speaking about today so again the stars aligned and now it's even more perfect (laughs) so I am just really stoked that you're here thank you so much for taking the time out of your morning to speak with me Thank you, and I'm also apologize for uh, the mix-up of time and you getting up early for me. No, that was completely my bad. So, so Samantha is based in um sorry Ontario and I'm here in British Columbia, and there's a three-hour time difference. So I mistakenly thought that okay, it's it's seven o'clock, right? Seven o'clock a.m. my time, which would be ten o'clock their time, and I'm just like where are they where are they and then i checked the messages and it's like 8 a.m 11 (laughs) a.m eastern standard time so that was all my bad i am so sorry for giving you a mini heart attack this morning That's okay, honestly. It's all good. You know what? We're here, and I apologize for all the rambling. I'm just really excited that you're here joining me today. But can you give the audience a breakdown of of who you are? You know, like define yourself, what it is that you do, who you are on your own terms, in your own words, and go. Hey. Um, <laughs> hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Samantha 
You can call me Sam Sammy. I go by a lot of different names. I entered the industry as a stripper. Um, and I worked um, at a number of different clubs in a number of different places. Um, and I very quickly also was doing online work and I actually traveled to the States and wow. um, worked with some really cool porn performers, dabbled in some sugaring uh, in between there and here, and then started working at a massage parlor and then transitioned into uh, full service work. Um, and mm. I would say I'm a full-time companion at this point, mm. um, you know, considering that all the strip clubs are closed. Yes. And yeah, this is just my livelihood. It's honestly what makes me really happy and fulfilled. And on the side of that, I also work at and volunteer at an organization in London, Ontario called Safe Space. It's oh, cool. one of the organizations that is a part of the Canadian Alliance for Sex Worker Law Reform. Yes. And uh, we do a lot of work with our street-based sex workers um, at Safe Space. That is excellent. And the audience, um, to everyone here listening, you might have heard last week, I actually interviewed Jen Clayman from the Canadian Alliance for Sex Work Reform. So if, if that sounds familiar, that's where you might know that from. But that's really cool. I didn't know that about you. You are, you are completely immersed in this community. And I love that so, so much. Yeah, I'm swimming in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. And we can definitely talk about um, your advocacy as well because you're definitely very outspoken online in, our, in um, our digital platforms as well, which I think is great and which is why I'm like, you need to come onto the show <laughs> soon. <laughs> and now you're here. So I know that... Um, Yes, there was like some scheduling conflicts before, but yes, you're you're quite busy. I mean, you were busy touring for a while as well. Um, how has the work been going on? I mean, like it's, I want to say it's the tail end of COVID. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, at least I think so. But how's everything going for you? How, like, just want to check in. <laughs> it's, it's been good. Um, good. It, it's been really interesting navigating the world in general, let alone as a sex worker. Um, you know, there's there's only so many safety measures that you can take, in, and that's even in our personal lives, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we have to go outside. We have to go to the grocery store. Sometimes we have to have childcare. You know, we have to work. We all have to work to survive. That is what capitalism requires. Yes. You can't survive if we do not work and you know it's it's interesting to see how many people kind of just expected this particular industry the sex industry the adult industry to just stop mm -hmm. to just disappear um and and obviously the ways in which we are denied um, resources because of the way stigma and current legislation impacts um the way we we can access and interact with the rest of the world mm -hmm. so I've been okay, honestly. I, I have been doing great, um, but it has been very difficult for me to see so many of my like friends and peers, um, not just like that are close to me, but like throughout the country, throughout America, you know, even Europe. To see everybody really struggling right now, and I think it really just highlights um, the importance of decriminalization. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So much of that. It's so important. And it's it's just, it's a difficult time right now. And not just um, financially, but also mentally. 
as well. It's just been um, a crazy time, as we've talked about on the show before. There are a lot of people that are struggling, even to this day. I mean, even before the pandemic as well, it's also good to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that too, right? So... But I just want to, like, check in, do a mental check here. Like, how's it going? Thank you. I hope <laughs> no you're problem. doing really good as well. Oh, my gosh. it's just, This has been a really challenging week for me. I almost messaged you, like, five hours, like, I guess eight hours ago to be like, I need to cancel. But I'm like, no, I need to do this. It's just been, like, a, a crazy week. But... Yeah, one yeah. of those one of those months. It's years. I don't months. really know. I, I don't know. It's endless. <laughs> it literally is, but uh but I'm glad it's like, time. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. <laughs> but let's get back to you. I don't want to detract from the conversation. This episode is all about you. <laughs> but um Ooh. do you wanna go chat a little bit about um the type of work that you do? I thought your your history is really interesting. So started off um Started off with stripping, and then you kind of went in to a bit of massage, like erotic massage. I see that you offer Nuru as well, and then now you are a full-time companion. Tell me about mm-hmm. that. Um, so I I love dancing, and, and starting off as a stripper definitely was, like, I think a really safe way for me to be able to explore um, my my capacities as a sex worker, mm-hmm. um, you know, ha- having that basis before going into uh, spa work really mm-hmm. allowed me to like have the boundary setting skills that are necessary, um, yes. you know, to reduce the amount of irksome work events and even potentially like traumatizing work events that can take place, right. um, you know, and that really helped me also transition into being a full-time companion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have had clients over the years, um, you know, that in- initially were clients or customers from the club, you know, that I have long-term relationships with, but I was so very terrified of how to navigate working independently. There's yeah. not a lot of resources out there. Um, a lot of the resources slash collectives that are out there are shite, for lack of a better term. <laughs> I can see that you're um, struggling there. <laughs> yeah, like I could, I, there's a lot of words that I could say that they're not very inclusive and mm-hmm. that there's paywalls there. And mm-hmm. the way that um, society has kind of put us in the shadows has made it really difficult for us to connect. And I think it's really interesting that my experience is going to be entirely different than that of a companion who was working, you know, 10 years ago or like 20 years ago or pre-internet, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I have now transitioned into a full-time companion. I would love to visit the strip clubs when they open again. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, there is a lot of issues with being out as a companion and, being discriminated against by even other um, work environments because of the current legislation and also because mm-hmm. of the rampant whorephobia. Yes. Um, you know, I, I you're, you're a stripper as well. I'm sure you're very familiar with the yes. type of whorephobia that's perpetuated in those kinds of environments. Yes. And yeah, I just would much rather prefer to work independently as a, as, as a worker, you know, whether yeah. I'm stripping or uh, working as a companion or working online, 
um, you know, I had opportunities to connect with um, some more mainstream opportunities for uh, pornography, but I nothing ever really like panned out the way I was expecting, and the like blatant misogyny and like mm-hmm. assaults and exploitation and just garbage was just like, yeah, I think I'd rather just do my own thing. So totally, I'm just doing my own thing now and <laughs> um, <laughs> trying my best to make sure that I can like provide resources to my peers so that they can work more safely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, since, you know, nobody else seems to give a crap about whether or not, um, you know, we experience workplace, um, unsafety yeah I don't know if that's a word no no I, I, I don't have <laughs> workplace hazards workplace hazards where hazards hazards workplace um exploitation you know it's it's a thing and I I want I'm curious to hear because I haven't talked about the porn industry in a long time I think since the beginning of season two but if you want to if you want to brief us a little bit on your specific lived experience of of how you entered porn um, and how you view that, I'd be curious to hear about that. Yeah, totally. I can uh, I can definitely dive in there. Uh, sure. So I started out with premium Snapchat, um, mm-hmm. and I really didn't love that. Um, <laughs> there was a company that came out called Fan Central that I started using because it was kind of more automated, right? They would just send you an email and be like, add this person. Right. But then I had an incident with them where I never got an email from them. And I, or I, not that I didn't get an email from them. Like I got the initial email, I added them, but then their system required that you like flag that this person, like check it off basically. Oh. And I guess I forgot to do that. Um, so I had this guy on my thing for like six months. And they never sent me, like, an email to be, like, hey, like, you never added him. Like, you should probably, like, check back and do that. Um, And they just uh, contacted me and told me that they had refunded him completely. Um, And I actually didn't see that email because at that point I had, like, hundreds of emails coming in from multiple different platforms and stuff. Yeah. And so I didn't really notice it right away. Um, And and he had then been on my uh, page for another additional, like, three or four months. So he he got that for free entirely. (sighs) Um, And then, obviously, I owed them money for, like, service charges and stuff. And so I was like, wow, this is garbage. So shitty. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and then I actually joined uh, OnlyFans when it was only taking 10%. And, like, it was an obscure, like, random website that I had actually heard about from another worker mm-hmm. um so I've been on there for about uh four years um wow. I had set up a profile on many vids ap clips right um porn hub and I was really enjoying filming I really I, I really was only really interested in doing um trade content and collaborations because mm-hmm. I didn't really want to get paid, you know, 800 to $1,500 to provide a mega corporation the rights to my content right. forever mm-hmm. um, and not make any, like... Residuals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, There's exactly. no royalties for porn. Yes. So I just wasn't really down for that. I mean, I thought maybe if, if it happened, I could pick and choose, like, a couple things I would be okay with for um, promotional purposes, right? It would get mm-hmm. my face out there more. Yeah, but then 
as those connections were being made, I realized how um, how toxic and shitty that side of the industry is and just how many of the producers are predators or mm. how many of the male performers are predators or how many of the white people female thin conventionally attractive performers are racist oh um you know the pay discrepancies uh between people of color in the industry you know the yes the racism that it's literally like just integrated in there the fact that like there's no condom porn and just all these like mm. different aspects of like the industry that like were just really like off-putting for me yeah and then I had some like instances where like I worked with people and like it was really cool and all but you know I had one particular individual I worked with whose baby mama ended up like dming me and like harassing me and threatening what and I was like you're Baby daddy's a whole ass porn star and you're not even together. And I live in a different country. Like this Whoa. is not it to me. Yeah. No. Um, oh my gosh. That yeah. is so, so crazy. Yeah. And then I, um, I was actually headed to the AVNs in 2020 mm-hmm. and I had a lot of, it was, it was, I had taken a bit of a break from filming. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really focused on like, uh, dancing and just like doing the private events and stuff and like doing my own content and I was super excited to go and like work with a bunch of really cool people yeah. and then I was detained by um, the border patrol basically oh and interrogated and banned <gasps> so what? that kind of put a little bit of a like a stop in that and oh then COVID hit holy shit Oh my god. Yeah. Holy fuck. I didn't know this. So wait, wait, wait. Going into the States. Yeah, I was oh flying into Las Vegas for the ABN yeah, for, convention. Right. And admittedly, I didn't have a return flight ticket because I was planning on, I had a, then a flight to um, Florida where my girlfriend lives and my stepsister. And I was going to stay there for like a month. And then we were going to drive up um, from Florida. Oh, and I see. I, I guess that was just like another red flag for them that I had been visiting quite a bit was a red flag. Shit. And they also use facial recognition technology. So, Whoa. um, yeah, they were like, we have reason to believe you're here to provide illicit services. And I was oh, like, God. I, I'm not <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. um, and admittedly my experience of that was not like overly traumatizing. Like it was traumatizing, but mm-hmm. you know, they, I, I am, uh, well articulated individual um you know I'm white and Mm -hmm. I'm pretty and I had a fairly young like officer who was doing my interrogation and stuff and so you know they were nice to me they let me go to the bathroom they like got one of the flight attendants to get me food because I was there for 12 hours what oh my god and then they put me on a plane and shipped me back to Canada and when I got here I got home I opened up the documents they'd given me and they'd fingerprinted me and everything as well took my phone like I didn't have my device for for literally 12 hours until I got on the plane and um I got home and they had basically put on my like documents that I'm banned for five years and that the reason (sighs) it was because I was uh prostituting myself and oh like, my gosh. Bro, I was just going to film some porn, which is not illegal, yeah. and go see my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I am so, so sorry you went through that. 
Yeah, and that's kind of what transitioned. Uh, thank you, by the way. But that's kind of what transitioned when things transitioned for me because I was mm-hmm. I was really interested in dabbling more into full service. Yeah. But I was not sure if I wanted to advertise mm-hmm. um, because of the risk of that. And now I'm like, hey, I'm banned. Yeah, like you're lost. <laughs> Well, you know, that's a great way. I mean, like for you to really pivot that and like pivot your way of thinking, feel like, okay, well, that's a lost opportunity. I'm going to go completely this way now. Like mm-hmm. good for you for keeping on that hustle and just, you know, rolling with it here. And, you know, it's a temporary ban that's going to end. There's an end date on that. So, uh, well, then there's the like details they don't tell you where they like for this particular industry, they want you to have been exited for a minimum of 10 years and what? provide evidence that you've been working in a different industry. But they won't tell you that. They'll just deny your application for a waiver. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. But it is something that like uh, other sex workers have had experience with. So, oh my God. I'm not holding out hope. Um, and if I wanted to, like I, I could in theory appeal it. Yeah. But I think now because I am so open about, uh, being a provider that yeah. they could say, well, look, she's a whore. Exactly. Like, yeah, I wasn't a whore. And now I am. And now I am. You. <laughs> you made me one. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. oh, well, it's just America. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of American listeners here. I'm not saying this to offend anyone, but that's really shitty of them to do that to you. Oh, yeah, it's not. I'm not the only one, right? Like it happens a lot, and it happens yeah. from even countries where sex work is decriminalized. Mm-hmm. Like certain, certain people from Australia, certain states in Australia where sex work is decriminalized, they're they're having a license is is something that the U.S. government can say, hey, yeah, yeah, no, we even if you were going just on a vacation, even if your grandmother was dying and she lived in Florida you know, they might, de- they might deny you entry, so. You know what? You're absolutely right because, oh, my God, I haven't said this story in so long, but I'll make it super quick. But basically, when I went to New Zealand uh, a couple years ago, I went down to visit a friend, and I was working in luxury travel, so I was down – I had to go down to Australia to, like, rate some hotels and stuff, and then I was on – I was also in Fiji as well because I was like, if I'm in the Pacific Islands, I'm just going to go everywhere. So, okay. yeah, so after Fiji, I was going to go to New Zealand and – And basically, I got there and I got questioned for four hours, missed my flight because they found some information that I was a sugar baby like many, many years ago. Like I haven't really sugared in a long time. And they found some information on me. They questioned me and they weren't sure if they were going to let me into their country, even though it is also decriminalized over there as well. So I'm like, what the fuck? And honestly, like that was at the time really traumatizing to me too. But this, I totally forgot about that whole aspect of it, but it's just so unfair. So unfair. There's just no reason. Like I'm just trying to visit your country and bring you some of my dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, this is completely unwarranted, but like, this is from several years back, but it was just Mm -hmm. like, anyways, I'm sorry that happened. (sighs) It's in the past. It's great now. Like, I mean, it's just stressful too. And like, Oh, like you tell you the details later, but (laughs) that's just in a nutshell. Yeah. We can, we can trauma bond later. Trauma bond later. Well, why don't we steer it back? Let's steer it back to you. And we can steer it back in terms of like talking about 
Bill 251. And this is like a huge topic. And we said this off mic earlier, but it's just, again, maybe like we don't really even know what's happening because this was introduced. So Bill 251 was introduced uh, back in February of this year in Toronto by Ontario attorney Sylvia Jones. And it is the Combat Human Trafficking Act. So I love how you described this um, before, but basically the Canadian equivalent of SESTA-FOSTA. And we're just hearing about it now, which is crazy to me. It just underwent its first reading here in Ontario, Canada. And I guess it was brought up because everyone signed off everyone was like yeah "Yeah, anti-trafficking Woo! yeah yeah which is frightening for us it's frightening for our community so did we yeah did you want to go into into this because yeah you were like have you heard about this we need to talk about this and i'm like yeah i would love to yes um yeah so to start maybe i want to touch on why why this first reading got passed so quickly and why there's been no, um, you know, pushback for it. And mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with how more often than not, these these bills are proposed as um, anti-trafficking bills yes, and, or, or anti-child uh, exploitation, yes. um, which is all, yes, obviously we don't want children or anybody to be exploited. Right. We especially don't want people to be sexually exploited. Mm-hmm. But conflating sex work with sex trafficking Mm -hmm. is counterproductive to ensuring that sex workers are not getting exploited. Um, And as we saw with SESTA-FOSTA, when you conflate sex work with sex trafficking, it does result in further harm uh, Mm -hmm. coming to the the industry and to workers. It doesn't actually stop trafficking from happening. It actually facilitates more need for people to turn to um, abusers. Um, You know, I know many, many people that choose to have a pimp or or a manager, as they would say, because it is safer to have somebody present. Um, And our current laws, Bill C-36, which is the Canadian uh, prostitution laws, Yes, they criminalize our much of the way we we can work safely um, as full service workers, um, Mm. including... Uh, having security, uh, working together, um, you know, working in spaces together. uh, Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of gray area and loopholes of that particular particular bill, um, which I'm sure Jen Clement touched on from the Alliance. Yes. Um, But this (laughs) particular bill, it also conflates human trafficking with sex trafficking, which I just think is so much worse, honestly, than what they did with SESTA-FOSTA because – it completely ignores that the the exploitation is happening in other industries. That right. human trafficking isn't just sex trafficking. Not all victims of human trafficking are being sex trafficked. Right. Many of them are being exploited in the agriculture industry. Yeah, or forced in into types of labor. In the hospitality industry. Yes. In the trades industries, you know, construction, all these other areas and... To eradicate and conflate those definitions that define the differences between those types of trafficking is a disservice to the people that they are claiming that they want to protect and help 
no longer be exploited. Right. Yes. So eloquently put. Oh, you're so well articulated in, in the way that you speak. I love I'm it. A nerd. <laughs> I was a nerd and I read a lot of books. I love it. But yeah, you said it so perfectly there because they're only limiting um, trafficking to the sexual side of it. But um, as he said, and also if you if you if listeners, if you want to listen back to the episode I had with uh, Dr. Tamar O'Doherty, where we go into Bill 36 um, ad nauseum in that episode, um, you'll see that there is like what kind of exploitation, you know, there are so many different kinds of exploitation when it comes to trafficking. It's not just limited to um, the sexual side of it. So oftentimes these policymakers and, and legislators that's the only thing that they see. Ooh, sex. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So um, thank you so much for giving um, people a bit of a backstory here, too, in terms of, like, why this is happening, why it's brought up. And, of course, and we're not diminishing the fact that trafficking isn't a, pro- isn't a problem. It is. Uh, Sylvia Jones, the attorney who brought it up, she claimed that, and I think these are obviously right, like real statistics, but 40% of trafficking in Canada happens right in Ontario. So I understand where she's coming from, but again, it's dangerous to mm-hmm. combine the two um, in terms of, like, as you said, sex trafficking or people that are in sex trafficking. Like, it's sex workers does not equal. Um, human trafficking. Yeah. And the ways, there's so many nuances there as well. Like, do you happen to, maybe this will bring it to thought, like some people you might, you might know, but Mm -hmm. you ever had somebody tell you about their boyfriend, you know, Mm -hmm. how uh, he doesn't work right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you pay all the bills Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're working really hard and you're shaking your butt and you're bringing home all that dough and your boyfriend's real happy. How many of us know somebody like that? Yeah. How many of us know a sex worker who has a partner like that? That's gendered violence and exploitation. Yes. And that's like the most common, that's the most common form of exploitation I want to say we see in in this industry is financial Mm -hmm. exploitation because of the lucrative nature because we are denied access to resources because i can't go to a landlord and say hey i'm a sex worker it's harder for me to prove my income even if i have an accountant because they're going to want to know what kind of work i do you know it it, all these other barriers that impact the way we can navigate the world Mm -hmm. and then it allows for other people to take advantage of that Right. Those are things that these types of trafficking bills are not targeting. And if I'm being honest, I don't think these people give a freaking damn about victims of trafficking. I think they truly want to eradicate sex work because they are prohibitionists. And mm-hmm. this is the way to do that by by playing on the the hearts of Canadians and saying, look, you and I both know that trafficking is so terrible. Right. Like we have to do everything we can to stop it. And everyone goes, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it and totally is. And they don't actually listen to the people that are living these experiences that I have, I have friends, I'm sure you might too, or at least know people that are victims of trafficking that are now 
independent consensual sex workers. Right. Because again, like there's so many nuances to this industry and you know, sometimes things do intersect with types of abuse that are out there and types of exploitation, but that's right. all systemic and that, that could all mm-hmm. be fixed by providing more social services, yes. by providing more community support, by creating more accessibility and reducing stigma. Mm-hmm. So much of that, so much. And I loved what you said there in terms of like, this is a systemic problem. It definitely oh, yeah, is. deeply rooted. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really problematic right now. And um so basically, um if if I know there's a lot of non-Canadian listeners on the show, it seems like Canadian listeners are going down and other international <laughs> listeners are going up on the show, but basically for um a bill to become a law, it needs to um go through a few steps. So, um where Bill 251 is now, it's past its first reading, which means senators um, and legislation legislators would have to vote on this. Uh, next, it'll have to go uh, on its way to its second reading. And at this point, like the bill cannot be amended at this stage, which is scary because that's like literally the next stage. And yeah, they'll debate the scope of the bill. They'll vote on it again. It goes to the committee stage. Then it goes to the committee reporting stage. At all these points, you can, they'll try to bring people that are affected by the bill. So, I mean, if, I mean, hopefully it doesn't have to go through the next round. Um, but basically it keeps going through the stages. It goes through a third reading, goes to the House of Commons, and then goes through the Royal Assent where it becomes a law. So it's breaking news just recently um, at the time of recording. This is... Um, me back in mid-May um, because there's a lot of groups and I mean obviously our community that are affected by it you know um, when we speak about who's at risk we are speaking about obviously us sex workers but also BIPOC individuals um, especially indigenous women and 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 girls or queer and trans um, LGBTQ community migrant workers these are all groups um, that are super marginalized and oftentimes further targeted by the police. And Mm -hmm. I know, Sam, you have a lot to say in terms of policing. (laughs) Would we like to kind of move into that aspect of the conversation? Yeah, totally. That's actually the next point I totally wanted to touch on. Perfect. Um, So, yeah, so part of this bill is to expand police power to provide them access to anywhere they may have suspicion that Mm -hmm. sex work is occurring suspicion so you could be you could be at home and they could say i think you are a sex worker and i'm coming into your house um Mm -hmm. you could it could be your nail salon right and that ties into what you were saying about bipod communities being affected Mm -hmm. and how um the police already hyper What's the word I'm looking for here? Target. Brain fart. Uh, surveil. Yeah. Very hyper surveil these particular types of, of communities. Right. Um, and expanding power to police to basically give them unfettered access upon suspicion um, is going to cause harm. Mm-hmm. And I personally think that it's really, really interesting how after all uh, last summer, all of this discussion about 
um, reforming the police and abolishing the police and how many of the Ontario um, and, and across Canada, but how many of the police departments have how many of the cities have not increased police department funding? Um, mm. You know, the city of Toronto, uh, they actually said that they don't want any more money. And I think that's just a PR stunt. But <laughs> this particular legislation will allow them to redirect funds back into the police force. So what I really think that this also is coming down to is the police and how mm. they are losing power. Uh, people are seeing that they are causing more harm than good. And this particular bill will give them some power back, will give them some funding back. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other part of the bill is that it will mingle more of our social services with police. So police Mm. will have more access to like information that social workers may have. You know, we throughout all of this abolishment and reform discussion, a lot has been said about how we need to redirect funding from police forces into more social services. We Mm -hmm. need to have uh, mental health professionals showing up for wellness checks. We need to have people that actually have de-escalation training that are present for these kinds of situations. And continuing to mingle police with these types of services is not going to get us to where we need to best serve the public. Mm -hmm. And then... The last little bit I just want to touch on real quick is. Oh, yeah. Take your time. One of the parts (laughs) of this bill is Mm -hmm. that hotels will have to keep a register. Airbnbs will have to keep a register. Basically, all these spaces that you and I both use, whether you're a sex worker or not, you will be surveilled. Yeah. Because the police will want to be able to access these. It's basically what. Sesta-Fosta was doing with uh, different platforms and requiring Mm -hmm. them essentially to do their due diligence to keep track of data and to refrain from having uh, exploitation happening on their their sites. Yeah. Um, So basically they will require hotels, short-term stays, long-term stays, um, potentially even landlords maybe um, to keep a record of the comings and goings of human beings. And that obviously going to seriously impact many sex workers abilities to work because absolutely admittedly even throughout covid it's been a lot harder to work out of these kinds of spaces because surveillance has already been increased tenfold Mm -hmm. yeah but to make it a requirement for them to keep all of these types of records um i think well if this bill passes god forbid (laughs) um we'll see a lot more increase in street-based work and we'll mm-hmm. see an increase in people turning to pimps who right. have spaces that are not hotels that have apartments that they can rent out that they can use um it's just going to push things more underground if we absolutely. don't have workplaces to work from absolutely that are safe right yeah no and like that was the most um scary part of the bill as well that i found the most frightening the most problematic too is that um what you said there about hotels and short-term stays or long-term stays that, you know, police will have more access to this information if they have, like, quote-unquote reasonable grounds. And as you said earlier, like, a.k.a. suspicion. Just suspicion. You look like a whore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is like... You look like you're being trafficked. (laughs) And, like, what does that even look like? It's just... Yeah. What does that even mean? What is media depicted as, though? It's yeah. uh, 
young looking Asian woman with ropes around her wrists. It's right. a, you know, th- those are the images. That's the imagery that they put out there. It is targeting BIPOC communities totally. primarily. It ignores the fact that there's a lot of white women that are also involved in this too. And so mm-hmm. there, there are white women or other women being trafficked that don't fit their stereotype of what it looks like to be trafficked. Are mm-hmm. they going to fall through the, the, the gaps? Yeah. That's totally a valid concern because again, it's, it's improperly, it's imbalanced and it is really scary for that to happen. Cause that's the reality for, for these marginalized communities already and mm-hmm. for them, for this bill to give more power to police to survey, surveil them even more is really scary. Yeah. Really yeah. scary. And, um, and it obviously will impact, like, I personally think that particular little thing was thrown in there because they know that it will impact companions specifically because they know that those are spaces that we use for work exactly and it's obviously going to have a huge impact on migrant workers because Mm -hmm. you know of status of application status like one of the things and I believe I I I might don't quote me on this (laughs) um but I believe that the current application process to become a Canadian includes you basically saying you will not do sex work Well, that's, I was reading yeah. a thread on that a while back, um, and it's something I think quite a few countries have in place. That, like, mm-hmm. even if you got your citizenship here uh, eventually, or your your um, like permanent residency, know, yeah, your permanent residency yeah. card, they could revoke it if they find out that you're doing sex work. So, like, Holy this crap. is going to harm migrant workers that are doing sex work, which is some of the work. Like, people do this work because it's lucrative, and yeah. you can make more money and have more time and. And, and all the, the positives that there are so to this many industry, positives. yeah, which can be heavily outweighed by like the negatives, especially when you have all these intersections of marginalizations taking place. Yeah, yeah. it's really scary, honestly. It's, it's really scary. I, I mean, I really, and I know that um, with the last episode, Jen really brought that up too. And I, I, I really want to do an episode on that uh, eventually. But the it's... Butterfly Project. Yes, exactly. I've been meaning to reach out to them. <laughs> it's on my list of potential people I need to contact. <laughs> but um, Butterfly Project, if you're listening, I want you on my show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're probably super swamped right now, yeah. honestly. This is really scary for a lot of people, right? Absolutely. Even for myself. I recently had to dox myself to the police because oh of God. a man who was like threatening me. Oh, geez. And I had to sit with it for a bit and be like, okay, do I do I report this and reduce my risk of experiencing violence at the hands of this woman beater? Mm-hmm. Or do I not? Because what if this bill passes and now they know where I live, my yeah. name, and all then, these details about me, and that I'm a worker? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And then you potentially and just being criminalized. how that will impact, like, people's custody with their children yes because yeah under this bill if it becomes law like people's children can be taken away which is peasy yeah tossed into programs and that's going to significantly impact indigenous communities because Mm -hmm. we all know 
or maybe you don't know, but this the Canadian uh, Association or Canadian Children's Services, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called, CAS, was founded <laughs> by the same gosh darn churches that founded oh, the residential gosh. schools and that the rates of Indigenous children in the foster care system are higher than any other demographic. Right. So you know that they'll target BIPOC sex workers. You know that they'll target the children of these workers. 100%. And what are we going to be able to do about it? Yeah. It doesn't seem like much. <laughs> no, no. And like another concern, I mean, in addition to that, there's so many consequences because of the, if, if this ever becomes enacted. But um, yeah, just like the ability to enter places without a warrant, mm-hmm. which is fucking yep. scary. Like, no, like terrifying. How? Terrifying. Again, reasonable grounds. Which is just suspicion, which is just horophobia. Yeah, basically. So, I mean, there's a ton of speculation around this bill, tons of concern around this bill, because it's an infiltration of um, not only physical spaces, but also digital or like online spaces as well. I know that um, we wanted to talk about that, like originally when we wanted to do an episode, we wanted to talk about the possible um, speculation of the deplatforming of Twitter, but why don't we kind of go into like the online aspect of like how this will be affected? Yeah, totally. I think it's really coincidental that this is taking place at the same time, you know, so shortly after the court case against Pornhub Mm -hmm. and their loss of partnership with Discover Me Visa MasterCard um, and how like the, basically the sister organizations of those abolitionist religious orgs that, Head, headed the uh, fight against Pornhub mm-hmm. to touch on briefly was yeah, basically accusing Pornhub of facilitating child, child exploitation porn. and yeah. sexual exploitation. Right. And it's actually been found out by like a watchdog group that Facebook actually has more cases of uh, child exploitation occurring on their platform. Oh. So, you know, it's really shitty that Pornhub, um, you know, has been really vilified. And while I mm-hmm. don't love them, it's very interesting that the Canadian government is now or these organizations are now filing attacks on Pornhub in Canada mm-hmm. um, and that while that is happening um, it this uh, the stuff with the alliance pushing for bill c36 to be reformed is happening yes. and now this bill has been proposed and is targeting the online realm mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because part of the you know Harvey Anwar case where the judge ruled um, the current legislation of bill c 36 is unconstitutional and the Supreme Court Justice Philip Sutherland, who um, also ruled that it is unconstitutional. And basically, as as of his ruling, law enforcement cannot enforce uh, some of the legislation, including advertisement. Mm. And here we come full circle. They're trying to police our ability to advertise our services. Right. Right. So I am quite concerned that websites like Leo's List and Trist and whatnot will be targeted just like Backpage was. Yeah. Um, if this bill is passed. And then what? Then we go, what, back to the streets? Yeah. Newspapers? like Just like all going backwards. Like how is this ever it is. progressive? Like how is this mm-hmm. even productive? Like it, it, it really doesn't benefit anyone. It's a slap in the face. I apologize. Continue. No, no, no. Continue. Continue. <laughs> I was just going to say it's, it's a big slap in the face that like while the Alliance is trying to push for this, uh, the reform of, actually I have it um, 
I have it just written down here. <laughs> um, that the alliance specifically is okay. Impe- the prohibitions against impeding traffic, public communication, purchasing, materially benefiting, and recruiting and advertising are all the areas of Bill C thirty six. They are right. trying to repeal to to uh, make it safer. And I think it's really coincidental, ha, huh, uh, that they're doing this at the time that the Alliance is already involved in that particular case, and they don't have the time or the capacity to target this in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And that the Ontario government specifically um, has tried to appeal the uh, Justice Philip Sutherland's uh, decision. Mm-hmm. That um, right after he made that decision... They basically said, like, oh, we think that um, we think that this is terrible and that this 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 judge is uh, actually going to cause harm, um, that these laws actually protect individuals in the sex trade. And here I quote that uh, they're critical in protecting individuals in the sex trade, um, which target those who prey upon and manipulate them and that we call upon our government to defend the law while ensuring continued supports are available for women to exit the sex trade. Oh, God. And of course... Not for us to work more safely, but for us to exit. Yeah. And, like, when did they ever consult with us? (laughs) Right? Like, it's just like... The Ontario government does not care. They are prohibitionists. No. Oh, my God. I, Mm -hmm. like... (laughs) These people just, like, have absolutely no understanding of the work that we do. They, I don't not, think they even care not to even speak to that. us. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. Doing that. No, no. Continue. <laughs> so, I'm just making a statement. <laughs> yeah. They, they really don't understand. I think they also don't understand even the basis of gendered violence. Mm-hmm. Because they'll tell, they'll be like, just wear better clothes or don't go outside <laughs> late at night and all these victim blamey kind of things. Yes. And then they don't actually ever provide solutions. Like what if in school we taught kids about consent, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, yeah. about the types of abuse and exploitation that can occur. Like those are the ways in which we can produce harm reduction and, totally. and keep people safe. Not after they've already been harmed. Yes. Right. Um, you know, and taking away those supports that they claim are there. Like, I have a friend yeah. who's trying to exit the industry right now, and there is nothing for them. Oh, gosh. There is nothing for them with the current legislation. There are no exit resources. There mm-hmm. are there are no supports. Yeah. The only supports that exist are within our community, with our with organizations like Maggie's, like yeah. Safe Space, like Pace. You know, yes. like the Butterfly Project that provide that peer support, that provide those resources. And we're not out here trying to say, oh, yeah, you need to quit. You need to leave. No. This is this is the root of all your problems. <laughs> you know, it's it's acknowledging the nuances and that this is work yes. like any other kind of work. Yes. And that these are labor rights issues. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that is the root of this is we need a labor rights movement. Absolutely. As just as much as we need decriminalization. Yes, because decriminalization is only one aspect mm-hmm. of this in terms of like solving this problem and this war mm-hmm. between the government and us. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you know, the, the exploitation that happens at like brick and mortar establishments like strip clubs and parlors is actually like so ingrained into us to be the normal. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Have you ever paid a, a, a fine 
have you ever paid a door fee? Like mm-hmm. those are all things that are against our current labor legislation. But like nobody cares yeah. if a stripper's bitching about labor rights. Right. And we've had like tons of episodes on that too. Uh, speaking about the atrocities that happen um, in terms of like labor exploitation in strip clubs, um, especially with um, episode with Onyx Sachi. That was a really <laughs> great I episode. Yes, me too. She was also one of those people that were like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Sam Knox is kind of like coming onto the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just. It's just so problematic on on so many levels, as you said. It's not just a physical thing. It's also an online thing as well because what is this going to do? It's going to help further push our work underground and will cause our – it will cause some security issues and, you know, our lack of – our safety is going to go downhill. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to exist anymore. Exactly. And like, it's so scary to think because I, I know like m- my fair share of people that were like around during Backpage and like the, mm-hmm. the aftermath of Backpage being deleted and how people had to pivot. And like, this is taking it so much farther. Like this, this is kicking us off. This is just getting rid of us, right? This yeah. feels like this make it so we can't exist right yeah that's um, exactly it, it is basically yeah. that sorry continue uh, now i'm interrupting <laughs> no it's okay that's pretty much what i what i was just saying it was just like it was stuck in my throat it really <laughs> like truly to my core it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me how how people can say i know what's best for you right i've never walked a day in your shoes but i know what's best for you because my moral compass tells me so. <laughs> it totally is a quote-unquote morality issue. It's mm-hmm. a very conservative way of thinking. It's it's rooted in all these, and it's rooted in religion. You know, <laughs> like it's it's um it's a lot. It's a lot, and it's really completely unfair to our community. And mm-hmm. again, the, I just feel like simply put. The, the aim here is just to eradicate the sex industry. Yeah. Completely. Um, I th- I just want to actually, like, I do a little shout-out here. Um, yeah. Because we were talking about, like, religion and stuff. But, Please. Um, with my work at Safe Space in the last uh, year, you know, since COVID started, we have had the absolute privilege and delight of working with a religious organization called YFC, which is Youth for Christ, Mm-hmm. based here in London. Well, this is with my work at Safe Space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when this church group approached us and said, hey, we'd love to work with you. We want to help. How can we help? Interesting. You know, we were pretty, um, there was a lot of trepidation. There was a lot of uh, concern of, you know, all of their, are there ulterior motives here? You know, like every other religious group or religious person we've interacted with, do they really want to help or do they want to tell us how we need help. Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for and that. And they didn't. No. They're, the, the, the people that I have met there, have I've learned so much from them. Wow. Um, and they have learned so much from me, I would like to say. You know, I'm probably awesome. the first sex worker many of them ever actually met. 
Wow. Um, and, and had chats with about like the work that I do. Yeah. And the, the love and the welcome that I have I've felt from that group has been like wow. so essential in me maintaining like my sanity throughout all of this and just having some faith that like if we really do start with our neighbors and our community and, mm-hmm. and talk to people about our experiences as workers and kind of fight some of this stigma, mm-hmm. we'll have more people on our side yeah. that will be rooting for us. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's where I think this all starts because this kind of the, the activist work, the uh, like behind the scenes work, the like case work and all of that, is exhausting it is and Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time and capacity that a lot of us don't have because we are already doing so much to support our community because nobody else is and it's really so important I think to really you know that's why like your podcast is so important because you Mm -hmm. are putting out information out there that People that are not in this industry can now access and they can decide on their own now what Mm -hmm. their perceptions of the industry are and they can pass that information on instead of just consuming mainstream media and Hollywood garbage that depicts (laughs) us in one particular light as as in one facet when Mm -hmm. we are a community of diamonds and and there are so many different lights that shine here and so many different aspects of this, um, especially throughout how many different types of sex work there are. So many, (sighs) so, so many. Sorry, I just went off on a little tangent there. No, (laughs) tangents are always welcome. And I think that's really interesting too, because I was like, how did they, how did they even approach you? Like, how did this even come about? They just contacted the uh, safe space? Like, what? Yeah, we just said, hey, what do you need right now? We were like, damn, we need help. Oh, that is so cool. And, like, I have my yeah. reservations about, like, religion and stuff, too. I was, I was born and raised uh, Roman Catholic. Um, oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Went through that whole system for, like, 13 years of my life. And then, like, I, came, I got to university, started questioning everything. And I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really surprising to hear. Um, but, I, I mean, surpri- I say surprising, but I say that in a, in a good way. And um, just genuinely shocked that I'm just so used to them projecting um, – conservative religious um types of views i'm just so used to that that like and i get that like say like from my mom and like from my family because they're super religious and it's just like oh my god like i just get defensive really quickly so i was like what what did they do what did they say but that's awesome that's so good to hear yeah no it's actually and it really like it wasn't just like a initial kind of like show of support Mm -hmm. it's been so many hours they do meals for us uh, wow. it was at one point at four times a week I believe wow um, and they would come out and they would serve the food with us and they, if we needed anything like they bring us donations all the time they've actually lost out on some of their own donors who said we will not continue donating to you if you choose to continue to support this organization wow. and they've said okay cool good luck have a have a nice life like we're doing the right the right thing right now wow so that it's just so cool. uh, very beautiful. Yeah, that's oh my god, I, this is nice. This is really great. I mean, and it's kind of nice that we're like ending on like a positive note too. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you got to balance it out a little bit. I know like there's been a lot, um, especially starting with season two, there were like a lot of very politically heavy episodes. But I also think it's really important to to showcase that. And because it's really important because this is happening like to this day. This is happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to inform you know, the public of what's happening mm-hmm. to our community. So mm-hmm. it's needed. <laughs> so we can hopefully stop it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So um, on that note, I do have something I would love to share with you and the viewers. Please, um, please. It, it, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but there is a worker movement Mm-hmm. an industrial movement so it's actually called swim the sex worker industrial movement and um we're just in infancy but uh it is a focus on the labor rights aspect of uh the current um landscape of canada and how workers can come together to provide each other support and guidance and resources and as i might have mentioned to you like My goal right now is to work on a resource platform for workers and to be able to provide safe spaces, safe, um, you know, safe access to like people that provide legal aid or, um, you know, just people that are safe for us. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would love to pass along some more information to you um, about SWIM and um, some of the other organizations that people can get involved with either in their own local community um, or at a distance from, um, you know, the online realm. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of cool projects if sex workers are listening and you're interested and maybe getting involved. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to hear from y'all and see what your needs are as well. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Send me any kind of links. Um, I could post it in the show notes below um, when this is live. So yeah, please share. Like, I think that what you're doing is fantastic. And I'd, I'd love to hear more more about that after the show. So <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get together like when we absolutely. both find some time to, yes. to chit chat. But, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff going on right now, despite all of like the awful things that are happening as well. Exactly. And I guess this is a good time to segue into the Q&A, which is basically kind of similar to what the um, what you were saying there, too, in terms of and like a couple questions just came in, like how how can we help is is there any petitions going on online for this? But how do we stop this in terms of like what questions came in? So if you have any answers or have any resources that you'd like to plug, please, please do. Yeah. Um, okay. So first and foremost, uh, tip sex workers. We're mm-hmm. struggling right now. Yes. Um, you can donate to uh, sex worker organizations that help especially uh, provide resources to our street-based workers uh, like Maggie's like mm-hmm. safe space if you check out my website samanthanox.com i have a direct link to donate to safe space oh, cool. um or if you want to check out the canadian alliance for sex worker law reform website they have a list of all of the organizations that belongs to uh the alliance yes. that you could donate to um where you are pace Yep. Vancouver is doing a tremendous amount of work right now, yes. um, and they could definitely use the support. You could inquire about volunteering at those types of organizations. 
I'm not sure uh, about the specifics of other orgs. Some of them are potentially only for workers in the community to join. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, Safe Space, for example, we do accept volunteers that um, are just allies. Mm-hmm. Um, not just allies, but our allies. <laughs> um, and then also, like, write to your MPs. Yeah. Like, yes. your particular MP and your representatives, wherever you are, if you aren't in Canada, you can write to the prime minister and just basically tell them that we deserve to just exist and we yes. deserve equal rights and treatment just like every any other industry. I really would like to get a little, oh, what's it called, like an email zap going. Yeah. So it's like a pre-made template. Sure. Um, but I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Um, but specifically for the... Um, this subject, like Bill uh, 251, I yes. really am hoping to get something going by next week for that. Okay, um, yeah. I don't really know how how effective it will be since, you know, I think they they are, they are were really hoping to push this through without anybody knowing, but. Yeah. I but mean, yeah. That's awesome. So just make noise. Talk to your friends about sex work. Yeah. Just bring it up casually in conversation. Like, you know, just be like, hey, hey, like. Have you heard about, I don't know, however you want to bring it up. Yeah. Uh, but that really helps combat stigma, you 100%. know, even just saying like, oh, like one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite podcasts is actually a sex worker podcast, right? right? Just normalizing the discourse around this type of work, because it's not like if your friend were a construction worker that you would be like, oh yeah, like, so sorry. Like my mom really hates construction workers. So like, <laughs> we can't talk about what you do for work. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love everything that you're saying here. Um, I love the root of um, just normalizing this conversation. I think that's super great. And as you said, this just by introducing this kind of conversation into your day to day will help reduce stigma. Thank so, you. so, so important. And also, it's like the basis of this podcast. So <laughs> simply well, yeah, put. Exactly <laughs> But before I let you go, where can we find you? Oh, okay. Well, you can find me on Instagram. It's Samantha underscore Knox with two X's. O-X-O. I know that's a mouthful. (laughs) Um, My link tree is there. Actually, I'm probably just going to link all of my stuff to my website in the next week. So by by the time this is is put up onto your page, Mm -hmm. you'll probably just be able to go to samanthanox.com and find everything. Perfect. Um, Awesome. But be warned, that is obviously my companion site. Uh, There is no nudity on there, but it's not just, it's not just um, like one aspect of my work. It will be like a place where you can find everything. That's awesome. So cool. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. It was so nice to finally connect with you and speak and to bring you on. And just um, your advocacy is admirable. And I love everything that you're doing. Making You're making waves. <laughs> it's funny. I'm a cancer. And I, I do say that often, that I'm just here <laughs> swimming through life, maybe making a splash here and there. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This has been really lovely and I'm really excited just, you know, even just to get feedback about people's thoughts on this and, um, yeah, like feel free to, 
So this is to the listeners. But feel free to reach out to me. Please do so respectfully. Yes. Um, and if you're <laughs> going to be asking me questions about my work, uh, please email me instead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most platforms will flag our accounts. So exactly. I would like to keep uh, the presence I have currently. Um, and yeah, and to you, like, thank you so much for having me. And I'd love to chat anytime, even if you just want to talk about some if you just want to shoot the shit or whatever, for sure, cool to do that. Or if you need any, uh, need any support or have any questions or are, are in need of like maybe direction towards some people who might be good to good to chat with. For um, sure, I definitely know a lot of people. So. <laughs> you sure do, and I will definitely take you up on that offer. Thank you so much. Samantha, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And don't forget, it's new episodes every single Sunday. It is Sia Steph is my personal or Strip by Sia on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm really active now on Twitter. I've just changed my handle there to Strip by Sia. So you can easily find me there and maybe give it a rate, uh, like a rate. Give it a rating, a like, share, you know, subscribe, review, do all the things. Spread the word. I would love that. And yes. right? Like spread the word. That's what we need. And I'll catch everyone in for another episode next Sunday. Bye. You're listening to Strip by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia. Artwork by Maria Bellandorama. Music by Ted D. And photography by Ian Dabern. Thank <laughs> you.